Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Post 20 Podcast. Um, my name is Evan. I'm joined as always by my co-host Matt. How are we doing this week, Matt? We're good, we're good. We're seeing a uh, first bit of snowfall around here where we're living, so adding that into the mix and how our daily lives are going with work and whatnot. But um, yeah, I just wanted to address uh, my Monday thing, like mentally, I don't know what it was, but... I was just drained and like my mood. I don't know whether you have this or anybody else listening has this, but just like occasionally every once in a while, I just get in my own head mm-hmm. about life and what I'm doing and everything. I don't, I don't, I, at one point I thought maybe it's like a quarter life crisis type thing, if you want to call it that. But like, I just was really deep in my bag and I don't know. I just needed a day off to really decompress. Uh, yeah, I do have that. I have that probably five to six days of the week. I usually have one good day, and the other five or six days are me just freaking out. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of how I am, because I'm extremely anxious about everything. Uh, even if it's part of my daily routine, sometimes I get anxious about it. And when, when things are stockpiled like they are right now, what we're dealing with the conditions of the world, the fact that nothing is normal... Uh, and on top of that, the fact that we're kind of trying to get our lives together, you have, you know, your first full-time job where you have a set responsibility and it's, it's something that you're trying to build your, your life off of, right? It's kind of your job. Your first real job is the foundation of, of your existence in the, the, the real world as they put it. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's hard, man. I mean, that's, that's, it's responsibility and it's, it's just a change of pace and, for me, like I, I have a change of pace right now. I'm, I'm uh, just absolutely hammered with work. I mean, it hasn't let up since the last time I complained on the show. And you know, my girlfriend's living around me now. She used to live far away, and she's alone. And not, she doesn't have a support system. She has me and and my family. So I try and spend as much time as I can with her. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about me. I'm worried about my family. They got stuff going on. My my grandmother's a little fucked up right now. She's uh she's an injury, so we're trying to take care of her and just you know make sure everybody's okay. But it's that's just the world and 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 the COVID shit on top of it. Like yeah. The forced the forced quarantines the the uh like I'm not working, or I'm not not working. I'm not working. I would probably be working if it weren't for COVID. Um, and then like doing all your class from home. It's just this isn't college right now. And although I didn't love commuting to college there is something that you get from being on campus and kind of having an independence from like your your other life like outside of school right so it's just whack and i'm not really happy with it i'm i'm definitely in my head too questioning everything i do very unmotivated to do anything outside of schoolwork just because i've i've switched my head onto that but i hear you man you ain't got to tell me why i didn't do the episode i totally get it yeah, it's that and like the last thing, just like like you were saying, getting out and about with people and like at the social interaction, especially people around our age. Like I'm not getting that as much. Like at work, that I would say the average age is like 20 plus years above mine. Yeah. And then I come home like with my parents and my brother and that, and like that's cool. But I'm not constantly hanging out with people around our age, like going out or even just hanging out with people. Like most of my friends from school live states away in that so we don't get to see each other as much as we like so there's a lot of that involved into it but just got to look at the bright side just making money every week and yeah 
building building that bank and eventually I, th- I think the next step is just like moving out yeah however long that is hopefully within the next two years getting a place yeah so i mean yeah i mean even even so like even if you are hanging out with people the vibes are off man it, it's not the same yeah. it's just not the same because there's restrictions and you know it's just some some people are worried about where they're going if if you know some people can't get sick because of their job or because of who they take care of or whatever like that's me even if i do go out and i get to see my friends it's cool for the first half hour and then i'm like fuck man i hope none of these goofballs have been out dicking around because if i get sick and i go down and take my grandmother a mail and give her covid and she dies i'm not going to feel great about it um but you know that's one of those things that i've had to kind of modify as i as i go through the like as we've all gone through the COVID world, I remember when it first happened. I mean, we we didn't see each other forever. The first time we saw each other was playing golf back in like was at the par three. I mean, it must have been the spring, yeah, it was a, it was probably four, yeah. three or four months after the start yeah, of the was, pandemic. I mean, we all yeah, towards the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I I see people when I play golf. That's pretty much it. I make a concession for um for the gym. But other than that, I, I just don't see anybody, and it's it's brutal. It just the the isolation you you have to deal with, and like you said, it, you're not socializing with people your age, and that has like a that has a large effect on you. You know, I I see my buddy Carson when I play golf. That's pretty much it, and he goes to school somewhere else. So when when my buddies are gone and they're at school, I'm not playing golf like I was. I was I was playing like three or four times a week because it's borderline free in the winter where we live, and it's nice. I mean, you go out there, you're in nature, it's quiet, and you focus on your game, you see a linear progression of how you're how you're playing. And I focused on that for a month. I kind of like put everything else out of my head, focused on that. But now, I mean, well, we're back in the real world. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate, but I'm thinking about maybe like maybe I need to get away for a week or two. Um, yeah. get down to some warmer weather, just pack my pack my shit, take my little computer bring a microphone so I can still, you know, do the podcast and stuff and maybe it'll re-energize me, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but, uh, we can move on off the depression shit, I guess. Okay. Shall we talk about the premier league? Ma- Actually, no, no, no. Hold on one second. I wanted to talk about this expanded Swiss system that the champions league is, um, talking about doing. So the plans to transform the competition, this will be in in 2024, right? Um, I'm going to read this from the Sports Illustrated um, article that I found a couple weeks ago. Uh, UEFA's proposal is to increase the number of group stage participants from 32 to 36, with each team guaranteed 10 rather than 6 games. Three people familiar with the plans told the Associated Press. So it's, it's, you know, per sources, this is legitimate. The people spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss plans not publicly disposed. England, Spain, Italy, and Germany currently have four guaranteed slots in the group stage, but leading teams who don't make the top four of their leagues could still qualify with three of the additional group stage slots lined up for such teams based on their historic record in Europe. The fourth additional spot could go to France, which currently only has two guaranteed group stage slots, while a third team has to go through qualifying. The current format of eight groups would also be transformed, with UEFA instead using a variation of the so-called Swiss system. All 36 teams will be placed into a single league table, with opponents determined based on preseason ranking positions. 
The top eight would qualify automatically for the round of 16, with the next 16 teams potentially contesting a playoff to fill the other slots in the knockout phase. The plans were discussed by Premier League clubs at a virtual meeting on Thursday. So that is something. Instead of the group stages, it would essentially be a league until the knockout. What do you think? Uh, I mean, on on the business side of it, it's a positive move because they're going to make a lot more money with the TV deals and everything. And I'm sure the clubs involved would appreciate it because they'll get more exposure, uh, more TV money going to their clubs and whatnot. But if you're looking at it from a domestic side, I would say it's going to take away from your home matches. So if you're the Premier League, the Bundesliga, and all those other big leagues, you're going to have to reconsider your season. They may have to make the league table smaller. So they might have to make the Premier League, for example, go from 20 teams to 18 or 16. So there's not as many games. So they can schedule these games in here. They might have to take Premier League teams out of the League Cup or FA Cup, do whatever they can so they have more time to rest players to be active in these games. Or maybe they'll have to expand the substitution rule to go from three to five subs or make the travel squad I mean, now it, it's 20 from 18. They may have to make it 23 like uh, the internationals at the World Cup. They yeah. carry 23-man squads. So there's a lot of different things that can go about it. Um, I'm seeing here that like a majority of the countries uh, didn't really oppose this request. Um, I don't know. I like it how it is. It really makes the competition competitive because we're seeing like in the March Madness tournament, as the, years have, or as the decade have passed, they've slowly expanded the, to more and more teams. So more schools have chances to get in there. Um, then they are competitive, but like the World Cup aspect, they're trying to do the same exact thing. And if you're going to have Germany play, let's say, San Marino in the group stage of a World Cup and beat them 9 nothing, nobody's going to want to watch that. And it's just a waste of both teams' sides just to have more more games on TV. So there's a lot of things that go into it. It's a big, it's a big thing to unwrap. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to read your like initial thoughts. I I for one would be really interested to see how it panned out. Probably for just a season. I think I I would rather still prefer the the traditional group stage format. I like that. I'm used to that. And in terms of scheduling, it's obviously going to be less of a nightmare keeping the group stage than it would be you know to to switch to this new thing because playing in two essentially leagues. On top of the two cups, domestic cups, which most countries have at least two domestic cups, that would be a like you said, complete complete scheduling nightmare, logistical disaster, and um, yeah, I mean that's I guess that's kind of where I stand. I do think it would be interesting to see. I, I think that one season of a um, like a table based thing, I think teams would play differently. I really do. I think they would be. Um, not only more tired, but just stylistically, I think teams would would have to put forth a different product if they were playing in a league, in, in two concurrent leagues, right? Because if you play the yeah. same way in every single match, you're going to get your fucking ass kicked. Um, what, Especially if the leagues are going on at the same time, because everybody's going to have the book on you, you know what I mean? I think the, another thing is they're trying to compromise uh, recently, all, the, all these big clubs trying to propose a Super League. I think this is a compromise to that. Yeah, to I agree. I'm happy yeah. and just to keep them getting their revenue growing. So I don't know if it's 
three, four years down the line, they're going to have time to put a better product out rather than do it, rush it out to next season or the following. So, I mean, in three, four years down the line doesn't seem like a long time, but it's like pretty much right around the corner. Yeah. So just, just to like quickly close this out, um, this is the final final line of the article. The proposed changes could guarantee both UEFA and clubs increased TV revenues, like you said, and prize money, like you said, as it would produce 180 group stage games to sell to broadcasters instead Jesus. of 96. So that's essentially doubling the amount of, of product you have to offer. Um, so that makes UEFA a very corrupt organization. And the clubs, which are often corrupt, especially if they're in that very top tier, uh, makes them a lot of money. So mm-hmm. We will have to see. I bet you that you will see this because, like I said, it's going to make more people more money, and that's the name of the game at the end of the day. Now we move to our bread and butter, the Premier League. Unfortunately, Aston Villa defeated Arsenal 1-0. Uh, on Saturday, February 6th. Not a great way to start my weekend. The first goal and the only goal came in the second minute when Ollie Watkins, Matt's most despised and loved striker in the league. He's on the ups. He's on the ups. He's got four and five. He is. And ever since you told him that he needed to score or else he was getting fucked off, then, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't stopped scoring since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both, we both backed Arsenal in this and it didn't pay out, so... And the the goal was early, so the rest of the match was kind of drug out. But Arsenal did control the game. Yeah. How I saw um, Ross Barkley can't can't didn't he come out early? Yeah, uh, yeah, he came out early off an injury. He was just coming back off a long term one. Yep. So, and they did have one change. They didn't have Douglas Douglas Louise in there. They played a Mar the guy's first name's Marvelous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played him in there too. So they they had a little bit of rotation, but Marvelous Nakamba, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking absolute banger of a name. Yeah, Matty Ryan got a debut in the goal, yep. uh, the ex-Brighton goalie for Arsenal since Leno's out for the next two matches after this. Uh, and then Gabriel was in there for, or Gabriel, I should say, instead of David Luiz. So you, got, you guys had a little bit, bless you, you guys had a little bit of rotation in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, with all these congested fixtures, you have to, and with uh, the red cards, especially after Arsenal's last game, it was hard to watch. But I think Arsenal definitely deserved something out of this game, the way they controlled the tempo, but it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I mean... From the perspective of an Arsenal supporter, it's actually nice to see, even if Arsenal are getting beat, it's it's not a bad beat, right? You're not losing because you guys, because the team you support just absolutely underplayed. Arsenal did control this game, and Villa are a good side this season. This this is, you know, 1-0 to Villa is something I can stomach. If it was 1-0 to Villa last season, maybe I couldn't stomach it. Um, I, I do think that... That having uh, Partey back has been really, really good for us, and I think he makes Shaka play a lot better. So I'll be interested to see how this starts to pan out. Um, you know, ha- having having Thomas back, uh, we'll have to see, but it's okay. I mean, I can I can live with one Elta Villa, and yeah. hopefully next week's better. Yeah, I would say one more compliment to Villa is they after that win they equal their amount of points they had after the finish of last season. Yeah, so they're doing much much better. They found, or I should say, they added speed in their team compared to last year. They just didn't have the pace to yeah. counter teams, and now they do. So that's why they're sitting ninth. And Arsenal, ever since they had their second matchup against United, they haven't been 
picking up the W's. So they're really going to have to turn it around now. Yep. I think they've just lost a bit of momentum now. You know, yeah. the draw against United, obviously a point's not that bad, but uh, losing to Villa doesn't doesn't feel great. So as long as they can get their, their next game against Leeds, which is on the 14th, uh, as long as they can get three points there, I think we're looking, you know, in decent shape as we go up against City the following week. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, Burnley, Brighton. This game ended in a 1-1 draw. A Lewis dunk goal in the 36th drew Brighton ahead. Right after uh, play resumed, Johan Berg Goodmanson scored in the 53rd. And... Uh, and drew them level. There wasn't any action after that for the most part. Uh, the possession was in Burnley's favor, 55 to uh, Brighton's 45. And while while that doesn't necessarily tell the entire story, I would say Burnley controlled this game. Um, Brighton do kind of play off the counter. Uh, it's It's not necessarily a beautifully solid style of football. I'd say that they... They're kind of scrappy. Like, I, I never know what to expect. I'm never predicting a win from Brighton. And and you, did you predict a win? I predicted the draw here. You I predicted right. the draw, and I took Burnley, yeah. so I was watching in my in the mail truck, bro. I was sweating the game out. Yeah, it's it's really it's hard to, to predict um, Burnley results because they don't score much. They really can only get one or two if they have a offensively really strong game. Um I was disappointed by the way Burnley played, but Brighton, you know, continuing to kind of scrape points from from teams that are higher than them in the table. Yeah, they've have they've been having injury issues with their strikers right now with um Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. Ashley yeah. Barnes did start in this game. Wood's out, so they had to put Vidra in there, who I thought put a lot of effort into his his um performance, but um, yeah. In this matchup particularly, eight of the last 11 meetings between these two teams have been draws. So that's pretty much how it is. Like you said, they're unpredictable. And we talked about momentum with Arsenal. Uh, this game was a tale of two halves with the momentum. Brighton early on controlled the game with a little bit of better chances. And then uh, I would say the last 20 to 25 minutes went in Burnley's favor. They were just completely dominating the midfield and whipping a lot of balls into which came to nothing. Both goalies played pretty well. Um, I think Sanchez for Brighton and goal. Uh, ever since he took over, he's really, really stood out for them and won the job over Matt Ryan. That's why he got traded. And Nick Pope this year has performed just like he has the past few years, keeping Bright or Burnley in these games and getting them key points to really keep them out of this relegation battle at the moment. So, yeah, like you said, it's hard to predict these matches, especially with Burnley. Um, and this game was the first time, I think, in four or five league matches that Brighton conceded a goal. Because going into this game, they had four straight clean sheets. So, I think, uh, for me, Brighton are a great team to really slow teams down and kill their momentum on the counterattack and keep games low scoring, just like Burnley are. Burnley, at the beginning of the year, they were really struggling to score and their defense just couldn't hold out as much. So it's balanced out now for both of these teams to where they they are in every match, unless they get scored on very early, then they, their heads drop. So we'll have to see this week coming up how they'll do. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the table now. It is kind of hard for me to believe that Burnley are in 17th place. They are eight points clear of the drop, which is good for them. That's quite a nice... Uh quite a nice margin 
but I feel like they're better than a 17th place team. I, I suppose they aren't, but... Yeah, um, we both predicted them to finish mid-table, like that 10-11 spot, and fortunately for them, the teams below them are just not racking up points right now. You have Fulham yeah. dropping points week in and week out, and West Brom the same. I mean, so. I th- I think Burnley is better than Newcastle, and I think that they're they're probably on par with, like, Wolves. Yeah, we'll get to Newcastle because they're going through an injury crisis right now. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, we have Newcastle, Southampton. Newcastle got themselves the red here. Um, go ahead, you, you start off. Tell me what you thought about this. I mean, this game opened up pretty, very open. Yeah. Um, uh, the This was the first time St. Maximin got a start in a long time for Newcastle, and it really showed how much he impacts this team with his speed. We've said in the past with John Joe Hendricks and... Um, other guys like that, the Longstaff brothers in the midfield, they just don't have that slow. speed. Yeah. yeah, they don't have the speed to really change the game, and especially on the counter. And with a player like St. Maximin coming out of the French League is a huge pickup for them from last season. And he's coming back from injury. He is a great partner up front for Wilson and Almiron to really create things and open things up. He's somebody they have to keep their eye on. And it showed early on he got out wide. They played it out to Lewis, and he whipped a ball into Wilson. Wilson held it up. Oh, I'm thinking of the last week when John just scored. Yeah. Yeah, but they got a they got a big pickup from um Joe Willock from Arsenal. They got him on loan. He scored in his debut. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, Arsenal goes on loan. Arsenal boy goes on loan. He performs where he can't do it at the parent club, but Yeah, yeah and um another loanee on the other side, Minamino scored. So, you got a lot of good things from the new signings off both teams, but I did not expect this to be a high-scoring game. I think we both picked Southampton in this to win yeah. it. And early on, it just did not look like it. We were tweeting live, and during my one tweet, it literally became 3-1. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, But there was some life, or there was some fortunate... For, I can't even talk. Southampton did get fortunate with the Hendricks red card early in the second half, mm-hmm. so they were on the back foot the rest of the game. And then... It's just Southampton right now are in terrible form. They are, uh, yeah. They got a huge win today in the FA Cup as of recording this against Wolves. That was huge for them. Ings got on the score sheet with Armstrong as well. Could have been 3-4 nothing, but um, Wolves have been slacking. But for Southampton, I think they're going to start turning a corner here. They're really going through a rough patch, and I think Ralph is a manager to where he can pull these guys out of the gutter and yeah. really get their morale up, so... Their next few matches, I would say, go in their favor. But for Newcastle, I was just seeing Callum Wilson did get injured in this match. There was a slight hamstring issue, and nobody thought it was serious. But news came out today that he'll be out uh, for the next eight matches with a a hamstring tear. And then also, especially on their defensive end, Cher will be out with a ligament issue. He'll be out for eight weeks as well. And then Mankiyo as well will be out for at least a month. So... They're really lacking on the defensive depth chart. They did sell DeAndre Yedlin for their fullback uh, depth. He went to Turkey to Galatasaray. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I think Lascelles might be out for a little bit. So they're really, really, really low on defenders right now. They had to play Isaac Hayden back there, who's naturally a holding mid. So this was a huge three points for Newcastle. They really needed it. But I think this next month, they're going to be falling big time. Yeah, I think they're overperforming the past few weeks. Even in the matches that they've lost, I think that they've just been playing um, past their their true caliber. And 
I really think that this loss is an indictment of Southampton's current form. I mean, they they are truly playing very poorly. And I think that the idea that, that Ralph Hasenhutl can get them back in and, and get them performing well again um, is, is probably true, but I don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, this is a this is a patty cake fixture. You should be able to beat Newcastle. And I mean, Southampton are going to be pissed that they weren't facing Southampton or that they weren't facing Newcastle this week with their you know depleted depleted depth chart. Um, Minamino looked good. I was actually uh, I was unaware that he got loaned out. I, I totally was, I don't know if I was, was unaware, like, but it was I forgot. like last hour. It went through the last hour of the window. Yeah. So Liverpool and Southampton always have that loany um, and then purchase type of synergy. We'll see. Uh, I'm actually surprised that, that Liverpool wouldn't keep him because they have so many injury problems themselves. Surprised they haven't slotted him in or moved him around or anything. Yeah, um, I guess Klopp prioritizes Shakiri and Origi ahead of him. I guess so, yeah. And then James Ward Prowse, uh, honestly, just just clinical. He's always he, he's always really solid. Yeah, he flies under the radar. He's he not very, He's not a flashy player. He just goes takes care of the business. He's the captain of the club, so. That's huge for him. And as well as, speaking of injuries, Vestigard is back, their main center back, mm -hmm. after two months. So I think he's the tallest player in the league. He's like 6'7". Yeah. So that's a big boost for them going into this match. They play Wolves again this weekend too. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how Newcastle fare next week without Fabian Schaar. That's a fucking huge loss for them. I mean, he he's really controls the... Controls their defense. That's that's yeah. a really really rough loss for them. Yeah, they they usually play five in the back, so we'll see if they go to four with a lack of depth or if they stick with it and just throw holding mids in there. Yeah. Okay. Um. I guess Newcastle will be happy to beat Southampton, who are a, a far better side than them. Yeah. Um, but let's move on. Fulham nil. West Ham nil. Interesting <laughs> match here. I mean, the, me off. The, the fucking Suchek red card in the 97th. I'm going to let you yeah. talk about it because Thomas Suchek's your boy. I mean, you've been talking about him for, for months now. Yeah, that guy's that, that guy up there for bargain of the season. 100%. I coming agree. From, from, coming from the Czech League. Um, absolute talent, hidden gem. But he leads the league now with goals from from midfielders, not counting penalties because Bruno would be leading on that front. Yeah. But um, he's... He, I think he's played every single minute yep. since he's joined the club. He's in an, all He's an engine, like hundred percent definition of a midfielder, like just amazing. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he's in the right position at the right time. And I just don't understand that call. Like when you replay it in slow motion, you watch real time. It's just like Mitrovic gets in his face. He kind of pushes him, and Suchek's just trying to get his distance. And he, he raises his arm around him because he is a couple inches taller than Mitrovic. So he thinks he'll swing it above his head. He leans into it. It brushes on him. And Mitrovic pulls a fucking Grammy out of his ass. And the, the worst part was, like, none of, none of the linesmen raised their flag. Even the, the fucking Mike Dean didn't say anything live until he got a whisper in his ear saying to check it out. And then it, he had to take a look at it 20 times. I don't know how you have to look at that 20 times to come to a conclusion. Like, it was pretty apparent to everybody. Even the commentary team was saying, like, I don't understand how this could possibly be a red card in any facet of the game. Well, but, it's, it's it's one of those. It's the same thing that happened with the Louise tackle. The refs feel obliged once they check VAR to make the call. And that's a problem. VAR is there so that you make the correct call. Just because you check VAR doesn't mean that you... 
you check VAR for something that you didn't necessarily see during open play doesn't mean you need to make the call, and vice versa. VAR it's, is a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool. I compare it to the same thing as a, <clears throat> as a coach's challenge in the NFL. Yeah, like, of course. Those aren't overturned. Yeah. Like, they don't come out to uh, a co- uh, correct challenge. So I don't see how they have to make that. I don't know. I think it's so new that the refs aren't fully acclimated to it. Well, the refs are fucking morons anyway. I mean, they're always horrible. The Premier League refs are are awful. Mike Dean being the Mike Dean being the worst. He is truly yeah. the worst. I mean, yeah, I know he we made talked. a horrible call, and yeah. he. I don't think the right thing was for him to get death threats, like because this weekend he's not wrapping any matches for his family's safety. But like, I don't know what that issue is because you're on a national lockdown, bro. Nobody's in the stadiums. Nobody's going to be waiting outside the stadium for you. So uh, don't be a cunt. Then that's it. That's all you have to do, and you won't get death threats. Simple. Even even if that wasn't called, West Ham didn't deserve this win. No, the they didn't. They got dominated. 10, the last 10 to 15 minutes of this game, they literally played for the draw. I don't understand why. You're, you're fighting to make a top four finish, which I don't think they've ever done in the modern era. Why are you playing it safe? I understand you don't always go for the win away, but this is a game against a relegation team that you need to get three points over to keep in the title fight, or not in the title fight, the top four race, because you have Chelsea behind you picking up points. Uh, you have Aston Villa doing all right. Uh, Everton's starting to pick it up. Like You're going to get passed if you play it safe like this every game. So I, I honestly, at that point, wanted Fulham to win the game. Like They, they control the game. They did. Scott Parker, Scott Parker knows how to control the game's tempo and that and they do have at times where they're on the counterattacks they do look very very dangerous but they just do not have the experience to put the ball away consistently or multiple times in a game they really struggle and that's probably why they're going to be down there for the whole season battling it out i think they lack firepower i think that's what it comes down to they don't have a lot of money and they don't even have a lot of structure in terms of the people that they're playing every week and I do think Scott Parker is a good manager. We've been singing his praises for, for a couple of weeks now. I think that we both see that he has some talent and some ability, um, but I don't think he has all the tools to succeed. I thought that this was a good result for Fulham. I mean, West Ham are, are like, to, where are they in the table? Fifth West or sixth? They're in fourth. They're sixth. Okay, okay, okay. Liverpool and Chelsea jumped them. So I was right, fifth or sixth. Um. That's a good result for Fulham, who are in the fucking relegation zone. So as as much as I would have liked to see Fulham win, especially in the last 10 minutes when I realized that, you know, good old Moisey was playing for the fucking draw like a, like a, like a moron, um, I, I think that they'll, they'll still be happy with that. And this was actually a really slow and boring game to watch, but I did, I did watch the whole thing. Um, the yeah, Suchek was red bad. was fucking dumb, though. I mean, that's just disgusting. Yeah, Lingard coming off two goal game didn't do anything. Yeah, he played back to his normal level, and uh, I think Mikel Antonio picked up a knock, or he's having fatigue issues. So I don't know if he's one hundred percent going to play this weekend in their next matchup. So he's such a fucking fat bastard, dude. He his fitness well, is so bad. They just don't have any depth at striker right now to wear because they're playing fucking Yarmolenko up there at times, who's not even a striker. Yeah, they need to. Um, they were looking at that. Wang He Chan guy from uh from Leipzig, but they didn't get they, him in time. They waited too late. They're gonna have to wait till the summer. I know. Um it okay. Might cost them. Yeah, it will cost them. Manchester United, three. Jesus. Everton, three. This probably the game of the season for me. I was close, bro. I called Everton win. I knew something was up, but it just didn't come out all the way. I think I had United win. 
Yeah, um, dude, when that Everton, when DCL scored that last goal, bro, I was like, no, nah, Evan, bro, because that put you 0-5 for the day. It did, indeed. I would I have been 1-4. Like, I was like, this guy, bro, just never, ever. Your pick is literally... It's so diabolical. It's so bad. You have all types of diseases going on when that I, shit comes around. I stopped betting Premier League because my I just, I'm ice cold. I can't get it right. I have to have a good week. I have to have a week where there's a couple fixtures that I'm like, okay, that team will win if I'm going to bet on it. But the past couple weeks of fixtures, I mean, we have truly been shooting in the dark. Yeah, it's been up and down a lot. Um, okay, so Edinson Cavani, old bastard, doing it again. He's he's shown that he still has some life in him this season. Scored in the 24th. Um, Bruno Fernandez added another one right at the stroke of halftime. They went into the locker rooms, and I guess Ancelotti said something to Everton because they came out firing. In the 49th, Abdullahi Decore scored. In the 52nd, James Rodriguez added another. It wasn't until the 70th minute that United retook the lead with a Scott McTominay goal, only to have the three points stolen from them by my main man, the tap-in wizard, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, score in the 95th minute. They had to share the points here. This was one of the most electric games I have seen all season. It was such a nice game to watch. And, I mean, United, when they're on, they are very enjoyable to watch, I will say. And Everton, when they are on, are probably my favorite team to watch this year because they are so electric. They are so dynamic. And James wasn't great in this game for the first half. But like I said, they must have said something to him at halftime because he came out in the second half and looked so much better. And they were just they they had more dimensions when they came out uh, from the locker room. I don't know. I don't know how you felt watching this game, but after after United scored that second, I thought it was curtains for Everton. Yeah, Bruno just scored an absolute peach of a goal, just hitting it right over Olsen. But he may look he may look so nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say lineup wise that. This possibly is Manu's best lineup. It is. Maybe you throw a Martial in there instead of Greenwood, but I think every single guy on that squad, I think this is their best team. Uh, Cavani has three goals in his last five in the league now, so he's starting to pick things up. Um, on Everton's side, Hama's actually got on the score sheet, which he hasn't done in a little while. Uh, he's still dealing with like fitness issues, so we'll have to wait and see how he's feeling for this weekend's match. But I think Everton played the best way they could have against this United team. They didn't expect to get the to win the possession bit match. Um they they just hunkered down, cleared it when they could, and took their opportunities when they could on the counter and it worked out to their favor. Um moving forward, I think Everton can take more positives out of this than United. Uh for United they really needed this win for the title race. They're sitting five points behind City with City having a game in hand, which they'll have this weekend. Or this, yeah, this week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I don't know, for United's sake, just they really, really, really need to know how to close these games out. Because you can't, you can't be conceding a goal in the 95th minute. No, that's really just bad can't. news. That's squeaky bum time. It is. I mean, that is just bad news. I mean, we've said that about, about United's defense. They're not all there. Even when it, you know... Even when it just half matters, they're there. But when it really matters and you really need points, you really need to get back towards the top of the table to to steal some away from where City is. They can't do it. And and this is one of those games where you just you have to win there. 
sad. Bad yeah. scenes. I mean, following this, both teams picked up a win in the FA Cup, uh, both in extra time. Man U's over West Ham, whereas Everton over Tottenham in, a, in an absolute barn burner, 5-4. I know, dude. Uh, Everton is scoring. Yeah, so going into their matchup against men, or they don't play Man City first, they play Fulham first. Should be very interesting. Yeah. Okay, moving on to a game that was a little less impressive. Tottenham, two. West Bromwich Albion, nil. Harry Kane is back. And of course, he scored. Harry Kane and Sung Hyung Min scored goals in this match. Uh, Tottenham completely controlled the game. They had six shots on target versus West Brom's one, 66% possession versus West Brom's 34. And now Tottenham are looking to get back on a winning streak after um, after losing three in a row in their last uh, last three. So we'll be we'll be looking to see Tottenham improve. Uh, I think they looked okay. I don't think West Brom are a very good team, so I don't think this necessarily means much. But Tottenham did play, um, I would say, probably their strongest uh, attacking force. They had Lamella in, Lucas playing as like a, kind of a center forward, center attacking mid type role, and then Sun out on the left and Kane up top as the striker. This is this is my favorite, uh, what's it called? Favorite uh, positioning set that they play. Yeah, I think Lucas perfectly fits that cam role yeah. right behind the striker. He plays off Kane pretty well. I would say me. There's a debate whether you play Lamella out there or you play Bergwijn. Uh, but I think as long as Bale does not touch the field, uh, Mourinho should have a decent time going forward. He's diabolical. Uh, he really yeah. is. If if you're not picking up three points against this West Brom team, there's really a lot of questions that have to be asked of Mourinho. But they took care of the business. Uh, in the second half, they couldn't get anything in the first half. Um, got us. We both picked Tottenham in this game because we weren't psychos thinking Big Sam would ever pay you back. He doesn't do anything like that. Uh, but yeah, Tottenham played well. Uh, Kane back on the score sheet. Son as well. Son gets a goal as soon as Harry Kane comes back. Uh, really back in why I think he'll probably be player of the season. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is back to how Mourinho wants them to play. Clean sheets. Uh, Eric Dyer not in the squad as well after that Chelsea mishap on Werner giving a penalty away. Yeah. Uh, he went with Davidson Sanchez, who has been playing well, scored a goal in that FA Cup game against Everton. Or scored two, I should say. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see if he'll if he starts in the in this next matchup against Man City or if he goes back to Dyer. But uh, it's going to be really really important for Tottenham to at least get a point off this City team because if they really want to get back into this top four race, they're going to need to get at least a point off City. I mean, I think West Brom are just absolutely putrid. Um, their most technically skilled player is probably fucking AMN. Maitland Niles was he's one of the only guys that I feel like is is comfortable enough on the ball to even get anything done in in like a, a technical sense. I just don't think that they have a very good team. Romain Sawyers is another decent enough player, but he's not going to get it done from the position he plays at. They just they they're not ready. I don't think they're not ready to to. If they don't compete. if they don't finish dead last, I'd be shocked. Yeah, me too. I agree with you, Big Sam. I mean, you think you think they'll fire Big Sam or no? I don't know. I, I feel like he was brought in to keep them in the league. And I well, think he's once failing. they get relegated, <laughs> I don't think he'll be around at the start of the next season. I think they'll find somebody new. But yeah. if he does stay, they'll probably give him like a three-month 
period to where if he doesn't do well in the championship, he's gone. But I don't know if he even wants to manage in the championship. Maybe he thinks he's too big, too big for that. Perhaps. Oh, uh, hey, I wanted to talk about this quickly before we move into the next one. Have you watched the Ted Lasso? That, uh, oh, no, is that on Apple TV? Yeah, it's... I, no. I, so I, when I got a new phone, I got like two free years of Apple TV. Dude, it's okay. actually really good. I like it a lot. It's very... It's really funny. And like, it's... It, it, since we watched the Premier League and we're familiar with British culture, like, it's it's actually really funny. Your Your dad would really like it. Yeah, I'll definitely let him know. He'll probably get on that real quick. He's looking for something to watch. Cool. Uh, okay, moving on. Wolves nil, Leicester City nil. Uh, I actually only caught the second half of this game. I didn't think it would be nil-nil. I thought it would kind of be a barn burner like uh, United-Everton was. But I did catch the last 25 minutes. There was a couple concrete chances in the last 25 minutes. I was surprised that this game uh, ended nil-nil after watching that 25 uh, final minutes. I thought that there would have been a ton of chances the whole game. Dude, this game should have had a winner, but I did predict this to be a draw. Yeah. I was sweating, sweating did you, out of every Did you part bet on a draw? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you I did? did? I was, dude, I was fucking, my forehead, bro, was dripping. There, when Fabio Silva missed from uh-huh. six yards It was a out, sitter, dude. It was disgusting. That just, I mean, he did he did okay today in the FA Cup, but he's just not their guy right now. I think Willie and Jose has to play in these big games, which he did. He did start in this game, but he just not, he just didn't get the service that he looks for. He needs those balls whipped in, kind of how Cavani plays, like right to him to yeah. put on goal, and it just wasn't coming to him. And they were they were um, rotating a few guys a little bit. Uh, they did get Morgan Gibbs White in there. He's been getting a run in the team. Yeah playing out there like a wing back role or out wide where Neto is. So it just didn't go for him. And I was shocked for Lester's sake. They should have had at least three. Yeah. But James Madison couldn't get the job done. Harvey Barnes missed a couple. Um, same with Evans and Suchek or Suchan, yeah. Um on the corners. They, they had to have scored on a set piece, but both goalies played very, very well. And it turned out to be a point for each. Wolves, for their sake, really need to get wins because they're starting to fall down even further. Yeah, uh, They might even be in that 16th, 17th role if they continue. But uh, Leicester dropping points again. They're, yeah. they're sitting right at a point where Liverpool's going to jump them and Chelsea might jump them and they'll get bumped out of that top four. So I would think for Brendan Rodgers... Um, yeah role he he needs top four because they missed out on it last year controversially and this season they're in they're in a similar spot it's a similar time frame to where um project restart was coming around and they dropped points on points on points so they really need to find their form um only getting two wins in the last five and they just need to go on that run yeah i was i was really surprised man i i I don't know how the the first you know, 65 minutes were, but the last 25 minutes were fucking electric. Yeah, it was pretty end end. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Liverpool 1, Manchester City 4. Yeah, we both predicted... All I gotta say about this is Allison, man. Just oh, Allison. Just diabolical play from him. Very uncharacteristic of Allison. He's typically Every- very solid. That that's that statement right there is what everybody was saying. It was like that's so uncharacteristic of him. I can't believe he's done this. And then my dad was saying, I guess he's a big Liverpool supporter. For you guys that don't know, he was like, this 
that's he does that occasionally pretty often so like for them to say that is like ridiculous he's done he, at times he's made absolute stinker mistakes and it's cost them and this was one of them i think he has a bold style of goalkeeping and i think he makes he makes split decisions very often that that's the way think, that he do you plays. think ederson would have made that decision no no, I don't. I, I I do think Allison has it has a very specific style of goalkeeping. But what I will say is usually there's either someone there to fix the mistake he's made or nothing comes of it. So mm-hmm. he does have howlers. Your dad's totally right there. But I was shocked to see them, you know, two times capitalize on it. I guess I shouldn't be shocked or shocked. The city team is fantastic, but um, yeah, really, Allison is the one that that cost him this game. Yeah, when the first one happened, I was like, "Wow, I can't believe he did that." And then when the second one happened, not even five minutes later, I was like, "Holy fuck, what's going on, bro? He's getting yeah. paid right now." Yeah, exactly. Because after that third goal, it was like the game's over. Mm-hmm. There's like nothing you can do about it. There was no um, way that that Liverpool team was getting two goals back on that City team. Yeah, and City are are watertight. They did let one in on a penalty, but I'll give them a pass for that. They they are not only watertight; they are clinical in front of the goal. Gundogan, as we've said the past few weeks, career resurgence. Looks like one of the best midfielders in the fucking world. It's unbelievable. It's crazy because they got him from Dortmund for fucking pennies. I thought yeah. he was. I thought he was done. I thought he was out to pasture, but he actually looks like one of the top five Premier League uh, midfielders right now. He, he He's unreal, and he's scoring, and he's assisting, and he's everywhere you need him to be. I, I'm shocked. He's probably like, I know when we did our midseason review, like I didn't talk about Gunawan at all, but the past, ever since we did that, he's been like on a fucking absolute screamer. Yeah, it helps that Kevin De Bruyne is out too because he can get more of the spotlight yeah. on him. But I, I even think when De Bruyne comes back, he'll be, keep this form up as well i would hope he's turning he's turning up at the right place at the right time and the thing was early in the game he hit he missed a penalty he absolutely skied it and then he came back in the second half and got two tap-ins which really helped his confidence so the and the city goals every city goal i would say maybe 90 percent of them are usually crosses to tap-ins and that so they're like that's nothing crazy it's just the the style of play they they use they implement i should say is getting guys in positions where it's high percentage shots. It it, it speaks to, uh, I wanted to quickly say this before we move on, it speaks to Liverpool's confidence where you can keep a game nil-nil for the first half, and when you come out in the second half and get scored on once, the floodgates open. It, yeah. it is It is such such an indictment of the way that they're playing, such an indictment of, of the confidence there. Um, I know... There was news that came out um, that Jurgen Klopp's uh, mother passed away a few weeks ago. He let the let the media know, so I think that that could be speaking to some of his irritability, and I think that could have an effect on the team. If Klopp's not in a good mood, um, then that could be, certainly be an issue for for the the greater um, like team morale. But um, I don't know. You Liverpool think- don't look good at all. Do you think that game just ended their title hopes? I think their title hopes ended quite some time ago, but yes, that was probably the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I agree. There's just no way. I mean, they they they're missing too many players. The morale is obviously fucked. Their attackers are just borderline fraudulent right now. 
you you can't have Firmino, Salah, and Mane and not be scoring. You just can't do it. And it's not that they just played City and that's why they didn't score. They're they're not scoring on fucking shitty teams. They couldn't score on Burnley. They couldn't score on Brighton. That's a problem. There's an issue there. So we'll have to see. Uh, okay. Sheffield United one, Chelsea two. Kind of a hey, sweet, kind rolling. of a sweaty result. We keep rolling, bro. Wins a win. Yeah, it wins a win. Uh, haven't lost yet since uh, Double T since- has come in. You did have an own goal here. That uh, yeah, that was my next thing I was gonna say. I was like, we haven't conceded a goal the whole time under Tuchel, and the first one is we score on ourselves. A Rudiger own goal in the fifty fifth. So. Yeah, Mason Mount. Um, electric. I mean, just fantastic. One of the and best young players in the league. Yeah, he just has this. He has something about him. There's something or about him that he brings that just adds confidence to the players, his teammates around him. He just brings the best out of people. He's which, like Frank. Yeah, that which today for today's FA Cup match, he wasn't in the squad. A lot of the main starters weren't in there. Some of them had, did have to come in at halftime because of the poor performance in the first half, but. Yeah, he just has this special ability to create things, and he really guns at people. He really runs at defenders, like how Pulisic was last season. Not as much this year. He might be dealing with more um, injury issues. I know Ziyech got minutes today. He's still coming back from injury issues. So he's uh, Mason Mount's really had to step up and put players in key positions, and he's really had to step up in the goal front as well. Yeah. Um, good result for Chelsea. I, I'm... I'm you know, kind of expecting them to continue this this form until the end of the season. I don't think there's going to be a lot of games where Chelsea get upset. I think I think Tuchel is a really good manager, and I think that Chelsea have enough talent to to consistently get results. Um, Sheffield impotent as usual. I mean, besides that game where I said I had a feeling about them, mm-hmm. they haven't done anything since. So uh, only really three shots on target for them, which is what Chelsea had as well, but. No really solid chances for Sheffield. There were plenty of opportunities, I think, for that chances that came up for them that really they could have taken advantage of. But but they I don't. Think, That's the thing. I think Sheffield keeps these games closest. Like as of recently, they haven't been getting blown out at all. Really, they're yeah. getting close wins, like over um, United, West Brom, and then also the one no loss to City, which I thought was a big result for them. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of positive things they can draw out of this to where. Uh, they play smaller teams. They can take advantage of their confidence and really um, turn the corner on teams. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final game of the week before we quickly go over our predictions for the upcoming week. Leeds 2, Crystal Palace nil. I think I took Leeds here. I had a pretty good like uh, Sunday, right, on my bets? Uh, yeah, I think both of us did. Um, I went... Funnily enough, I went four and zero on Sunday. I think you went three and one. I'll take that. That's fine. And then, yeah, I took a draw in this game. I didn't. I think this. I thought this was going to be a Leeds um, choke show, but it turned out to go in their favor. Bamford and Harrison getting on the goal. Uh, Bamford now is twelve on the season. I think Harrison has four or something along that. But yeah, it was an absolute dominance from United Leeds United uh, Palace first game without Wilfred Zaha. He'll be out for a few, little while now. And it really showed on the uh, attack as they couldn't create as much because more eyes were drawn to him with Zaha not there. And Batshuayi and I, you went back to their old forms of being invisible. So uh, Leeds just have a style to where it's man-to-man. 
this guy's my my um job the entire game i'm not going to lose him and that's my only thing i got to focus on and it leaves the midfield wide open for counterattacks both ways so palace just didn't have the speed to open that up enough whereas Leeds, on the other hand just have absolute pace going down on every wing with bamford uh or i should say with rafinha harrison uh stewart dallas driving through the middle uh fantasy uh side note on fantasy he's listed as a defender i think naturally he plays at fullback but yeah. with alioski and ailing playing well he just doesn't fit there so they play him in the midfield which is a big boost yeah. puts him in a lot of better positions to score but yeah leads just are very aggressive i think on the year right now they're sitting at 10th 38 goals for 38 against so pretty narrow zero goal differential it could be an absolute high score game. It could be an absolute blowout. Either way, it's going to be a great game to watch when Leeds is in it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about that game. Let's move on. Somebody needs to get in here and use the scanner. If you guys are looking at my camera and you just saw somebody sitting at the door, that was my brother. He looked kind of creepy on the camera. I I looked back. I didn't hear anything open. And he's just like standing. Sorry, I'm trying to. Standing right here. Fucking creepy as shit. Uh, okay, we'll run through these quick. Leicester City take on Liverpool Saturday, February 13th at 7.30 a.m. This game's probably on Peacock because there's two good teams. I'm taking Liverpool. Which I'm not confident in. But I think that they bounce back yeah. here. I think that they do bounce back. I could see this game being a draw as well. Um, but I think Leicester are probably going to be the favorite. Yeah, let me see real quick what the what the odds are. Tell me what the odds are, actually. I may be modifying my pick. Right now, uh, Liverpool is favorites, plus 105 away. Leicester home team, plus 250. Oh, fuck it. Never mind. I'm taking Leicester. Well, I think Jamie Vardy is back now, so okay. he did I'm get actually it. hammering Lester. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm st- I don't know. I'm still on this feeling of not trusting Lester after that Wolves result pretty much confirmed it even more. But with Liverpool's form and Mane not being able to score, Salah only getting a penalty, Firmino being invisible again. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm gonna back. I'm going to back Liverpool as the reigning champs. I think they, they carry this form to where Henderson's going to boost the guys. I think Salah and Mane are going to come back. I really think this is a game, a statement game for them to put them on level points with Leicester and leap them and put them back into that neck and neck race with United. I just don't trust Leicester. Okay. I think that's fair, honestly. I, I, I totally understand your logic there. So I'll, I'll go opposite you there. Okay. Next match, Crystal Palace, Burnley. Burnley, fuck, fuck you. I'm done betting on Burnley. I'm oh, done. No. I'm done. I'm off. Rest in piss. You won't be missed. I'm taking Crystal Palace, money line. This game could 100% also be a draw, but I actually feel like Eze, I'm, I'm big on Eze. I've been watching like Eze highlight reels. The kid has yeah. so much fucking sauce, dude. So much. Yeah, he's so he's talented. Very, very he is so talented. I can see him being like a Premier League mainstay, moving to a real club because Palace is a meme. Um, I'm, I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling Palace this week. Uh, odds wise, right now Palace is the favorite, one thirty five. Uh, to Burnley's two two thirty. Uh, let me look up at the head to head. Uh, the head to head's down even. 
they play each other 11 times, both sides getting five wins. There's only been one draw. Uh, they've been low-scoring games. Uh, the last time these two teams met, it was a 1-0 win going to Burnley. I think it'll go similar. Uh, I'm just not convinced with their attack without Zaha. They did go through a period without Zaha before, and they didn't do too well. It's just Burnley's attack is not convincing. I'm still going to go opposite of you here. I'm going to take Burnley to get a win. I think they really need this win. Like we said earlier, Burnley's a better side that shouldn't be in 17th. And I do believe they get a win here. It'll probably be like a one nothing game. Yeah. Okay. Manchester City, Tottenham. As we said before we started the show, this is probably where City are tested, right? This is going to be the match that cements them as the um, just most undefeatable team in the league. Or it's going to be the thing that shows everybody that City are once again beatable. I tend to um, lie on the side of the former. I think that City will absolutely batter Tottenham here. You just watch them batter Liverpool, who I think are really a better team. Um, And I'm just confident in City. I don't really think that they're probably even that heavy of favorites. Um. Well, City this year only have two losses, and one of those did come to Spurs. They yes. lost 2 nothing earlier in the year. Um, Mourinho figured out Pep. These guys have played each other multiple times over the past years, whether it was here in the Prem, uh, United City, Spurs City, or going to La Liga with um, Madrid, Bar- Barca, or even when uh, Pep was at Bayern and Mourinho was wherever. But uh, these guys know each other. They know each, each other's tactics pretty well. So I think this is going to be a very tactical game. Um, I don't see a clear winner here. I'd like to say City wins, but after this game against Everton, them scoring mad goals, Harry Kane's return, um, I think the choice of Sanchez in there instead of Dyer adds more feistiness in their defense. So I think it's going to end in a draw. Okay, fair enough. Next match, Brighton-Aston Villa. I'm on Aston Villa. I think Brighton... I don't think Brighton are that good. You know, I don't really like them. I have a hard time betting on them. Yeah. Um, Villa coming off a, a pretty solid win over Arsenal. I think that Arsenal are a much better team than Brighton. And if Villa can even just replicate that performance that they just had, they should be able to beat Brighton. Um, so I'm with Villa here, money line. I'm going to agree with you there. I love Aston Villa right now. Ollie Watkins, as I said, four in his last five. He's really, really picking it up. I feel like. I'm a little scared now, backing him right now and picking them, that he this is where he doesn't score and he goes invisible. But I'm still going to back him. I love Aston Villa in this game. They are a very good side. Uh, Brian do tactically put themselves in great positions to where it's low scoring, and they don't have to do that much on the attack to secure the W. But I think this is a game where Aston Villa can open them up, so I'm going to back Villa. Okay, fair enough. Southampton versus Wolves. This is a really tough one for me. I think I chose draw last time. I honestly have no idea what to pick. It's either going to be draw again or Southampton. I'm not I'm not on Wolves. What do you think? These two teams, like we said earlier, did just play today in the FA Cup. Southampton won 2-0. It was one nothing for a while. Danny Ng scored official or originally it was VAR or it was officially ruled off sides. VAR reviewed it and overturned it and gave the goal. Um, Wolves did have a lot of chances, but Southampton withstood it and ended up winning. Uh, I just don't know. There's they did start Fabio Silva. William Jose did come in late, which then opened up a lot more chances for them. But 
it was too little too late um southampton i think this is a turn where they really need to bounce back they've lost five straight games in the league they've fallen from where they were in seventh to now they're in 12th and they could fall even further with a loss here if wolves wins they will hop them in the table um i'm gonna go southampton here okay yeah me too fuck it southampton um Next match, West Brom versus Manchester United. Not much of a question here. We already talked about West Brom. You have our reasoning. I don't think you'll be betting West Brom. I certainly won't be. Um, I'm taking United straight up. Yeah, I'm going to back United here too. I think after that Everton game, there's going to be a lot of um, things they need to shake off, really, closing out games. And I think this could be a, a 4 nothing absolute annihilation of Big Sam. Me too. I do too. So I'm going to go be United with you. Awesome. Uh, next match, this is a tough one. I have no idea what to pick. I'm going to pick Arsenal. Uh, they play Leeds, and this could go one of two ways. Leeds blows us out, or Arsenal win like 1-0. I don't see it really going any other way. Yeah, I'm looking at the past results. Uh, we drew earlier this year. It was 0-0. Yeah. They were boring. Yep. Um, Leeds are in great form right now. They really know how to open teams up. I think Arsenal, to their credit, hold teams to very few goals mm-hmm. when they're on their game. Uh, with the two holding mids in front of the defense, really lock a lot of things down. So it'll be interesting to see with how Leeds' style of man marking is to where uh, if Saka can really get open, if Lacazette can find that space, and if Pepe can keep scoring goals. Um, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think Arsenal wins. Me too. Okay, cool. I, th- I think... This is a game where they really, really, really need to win because they're outside the top 10. They win this, they get back in the top 10. And it's, they just really need this because Mikel was very, very, very upset after that um, loss in the previous week. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he comes out in this game to um, Bielsa's tactics. Yeah, I'm hoping we play a strong side and kind of... I'm hoping the the two defensive midfielders we have, Partey and and Xhaka, kind of hold those those uh, forwards down. That's really all we have to do because otherwise Leeds are a very average team. Yeah, and I was looking at the odds, and Leeds right now are plus three hundred outright. So if you're looking to for a dog for them, and I don't know, I'm looking at that right now, and I might bet against my pick, but I'm gonna back I'm gonna back Arsenal. Yeah, well, it's a great value pick. That's you know, it's picking picking a team to win and then picking them for you know potential value. It's it's different. I I totally understand that. I've just done that in the past and it's burned me. So yeah. I just have bad memories with it. Yeah. Okay. Next match: Everton, Fulham. Although we have been riding high on Fulham, singing Scott Parker's praises, I do not think they win this game. I can see this ending in some sort of bizarre draw, but I'm gonna say that Everton win. Yeah, I'm going to go with an Everton win as well. The last two, t- or the last time these two teams played back in November, Everton won 3-2, very high-scoring game. When Fulham figure a team out, they just dominate the game. And I think this game in possession is going to be 50-50. I think it'll be end-to-end. Yeah. I think it can be high-scoring if Everton just conceded five, uh, four to Spurs, and the previous game they conceded three against United. So they're going to be really, really training their defense right now. I think Fulham can capitalize on that momentum and score another goal or two on that. It'll just depend if Everton can respond. So I think they do. I think Everton's going to bury Fulham down there and going to leapfrog them back into that top four contention. Okay. I'd like to hear that. I'm on Everton as well. Next match, West Ham versus Sheffield. 
Oh, this one, I don't know, man. I will tell you right now. I have a feeling about Sheffield again this week. It's back. I don't know what happened. It, it's it's funny. It just comes and goes. But I have a feeling about Sheffield this week. I really do. I I'm like Suchek's not going to be playing, and he's so much of their their central uh, game. I, I'm I'm gonna say draw. I don't know. There's something something's happening. Yeah, I'm looking. The last time these guys played was uh, the one no win where. Uh, Hilaire scored the bicycle kick. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember that. I don't know. Out of all these teams in the bottom three, Sheffield is the team right now in form for me. Yeah. And after that stupidness of West Ham and Moyes playing for a draw against Fulham like that. Um, I have a tough time backing them after that. Yeah, I do too. But And plus, with Antonio going to be out, they're going to be out with a true striker. Uh, Lingard and Ben Rama and those guys in the midfield are going to have to pick up the slack. But with the form Sheffield are in, if they can hold West Ham to nil-nil at the half, um, they can squeak out this win. But if West Ham open up the scoring early, I think they'll they'll roll them. Yeah, me but too. I, I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to say uh, draw. I, I I really, really wanted to say Sheffield, but I think it's going to be a draw. Me too. I do too. I think it could be like a 1-1 one, one or a nil-nil. I don't see it being a high-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, last... True game of the match week, Chelsea versus Newcastle. I'm on Chelsea here. Like I said, Newcastle been overperforming. And then we also talked about how much of an injury problem they have. I do not think that, uh, that Newcastle has the firepower to take down this Chelsea team who are currently unbeaten in three, I believe. So I'll be taking Chelsea money line. Yeah, Chelsea money line as well for me. Um, I would say under two and a half because... I don't think we've scored more than two goals in a game this far under Tuchel. Uh, the guys still are having scoring issues. Tuchel's come in and short up the defense, which is very nice to see. It's a good starter to um, begin with its new team. You come in to manage to short up the defense, but he's really got to unlock Timo. He's got to unlock um, Mountmore. And same with her, with Abraham coming off the bench and those guys. So. Um, Chelsea does win this game, like you said, with the injury issues. It's going to be interesting to see how we defend St. Maximin and Almiron coming at us, but I think they'll get the job done. Um, it'll be, a, I think we hold a clean sheet, and it's going to be 2 0 Chelsea. Okay. Uh, okay, so we're going to quickly go over uh, these two like makeup games. Uh, a match day 16 makeup game Everton versus Manchester City. Ooh. Now, I think this does depend on how City play um, during their fixture this week. Yeah. But I am confident in saying that they should win and probably will win against Everton. Even if they don't win against um, against Tottenham, I think that they do win. That means they especially have to win against Everton. So I'm going to take City. Yeah, Could be a good I, I... game. This is hard because you're you're predicting after a game that hasn't even happened yet, so you don't know with injuries and form and all that. But right right now, I like Everton. It's hard to bet against City. Yeah. The last time these guys played was on New Year's Day. City got a two-one win with a Jesus brace. I'm gonna I'm gonna go safe and say City. I think I think they'll they'll roll. It's just it's so hard with how they're playing, and they've only had two losses. And I don't know. He might rotate the team a little bit too. So I'm gonna go with City. 
Okay. Um, then the next one, Burnley Fulham. This is a match day 17 makeup. This is probably going to be like a complete stinker. Um, I know I said I was off Burnley for this week, but I'm actually going to be back on Burnley for the game against Fulham. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go opposite you. I'm going to go Fulham here. This is do or die for Fulham. Because it kind of is, yeah. If they lose to Burnley, who sit right above them, they would go 11 points clear, depending on how this week's game go goes. Um, if they lose to Burnley or even draw, I think they're they're forked. They're done. But um, yeah, I think Scott Parker gets the guys up for this game. I think Loftus-Cheek, uh, Calavero, and Lookman, those guys really step it up and put goals in the net. It's hard because Burnley are one of the best defensive teams this year. Yeah. Um, the only thing going for Fulham is Burnley doesn't score a lot. They're the least scoring team in the league on 14. Fulham not that much better with 17, but uh, I'm going to take Fulham in this game. Scott really needs this one. All right. That concludes our predictions. Um, thanks for joining me as always, Matt. It was a fun show. It was kind of it was a shorter show. It wasn't as long. I know we've been going kind of in depth. But, it felt it felt like one of those longer shows. What it turned out to be? Uh, it was an hour and ten. Yeah, still. It's probably because seems... I because I didn't bitch as long. Like I bitched yeah. for a long time at the beginning of last episode. But for the five to ten people that listen every week, I don't know. We feel like we owe it to you to let you know what's going on in our lives. Um, but that's it. Uh, like I said, thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check out our socials: Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and then make sure you check out our uh, our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And that's it, really. Anything else from you, Matt, or no? Nope. Thank you guys so much for coming in week in, week out, watching on the YouTube, listening on SoundCloud. We appreciate all the, all the time you take out to listen and uh, to continue on. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.